This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. The madness continues apace in Lansing during this extraordinary lame duck session where legislators are introducing many, many bills to try to get things done on their way out their door that they would never really have proposed when they still had to face voters in the November election. Uh, it is also opposite Monday here on Detroit Today, a time when we try to find some people who disagree with me, maybe see things a little differently, sit across the political spectrum from where I do to join us to talk about the week's news and especially the week's political news. This week, we're going to hear from two people who are part of what's going on in Lansing. And we're going to start with Marty Hauerlach, who is a Republican state representative from Troy. Uh, representative Hauerlach, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. How are you this morning? I'm very good. Uh, so I, I want to start with uh, the, the GOP move to kill minimum wage and earned paid sick time uh, after having snatched away from voters the opportunity to, to decide that issue for themselves. Uh, you tweeted uh, earlier about this issue and you said, always wrong, no matter which party does it, Michigan activists got 400,000 signatures to put paid sick leave and a minimum wage hike on the November ballot. But GOP legislators thwarted their efforts. Uh, you were just one of a couple Republicans who voted no on those changes. Talk to us about that issue and why you feel so strongly about it. Well, you know, I tell people, you know, the, the tables can always be turned. And so I think that you need to do unto others what you would want to do to them. And so with that in mind, you know, and, and keep in mind, I'm also on my way out the door. So I'm, I'm actually seeing a lot of things more through the perspective as being a constituent, too, as well as a policymaker. But I would tell you that, regardless of what the current attorney general says, that it doesn't pass the smell test, that you can have a citizen initiative adopted by the legislature, and then almost an, uh, the one, the minimum wage thing, was completely reversed. And then the other one, obviously, was significantly modified. It doesn't really pass the smell test that you can actually do that in the same legislative sitting. There's no question that a future legislature can modify these things. You know, the issue is whether or not it should be a supermajority or a majority depends on who adopts it. The legislature did in order to, quote-unquote, protect the, 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 the simple majority uh, option. But to do it in the same legislative sitting, as far as I'm concerned, regardless of what the issue is, we shouldn't, we shouldn't look past that because that's the primary issue. That's why I voted no. Hmm. Uh, and I would imagine that if I, if you and I were having a conversation about raising the minimum wage or requiring earned paid sick time, uh, we, we would probably sit here and disagree about uh, the, the necessity for those things or their wisdom in, in the economy. I mean, I'm imagining these are not things you necessarily support. Your objection here is the way in which – uh, your party, which controls the legislature, has gone about it. Uh, yes and no. I mean, I think that I think it's probably time that we look at doing something with a, a paid sick time. Um, I think that you know my perspective was that that the citizens' initiative went a little bit too far, but somewhere in the middle would have been acceptable. And I think a future legislature probably would have tweaked it just to protect some of the really small businesses. But I think I think a long time ago we decided in this country we're going to have. A minimum wage, and I think it makes sense to maintain a, an inflation adjuster because we shouldn't have to keep revisiting the minimum wage every five, ten, or fifteen years. 
And so what happened um, last week was we created something which was less generous to the workers than we had even before the citizen initiative. Because right. keep in mind, they got rid of the inflation adjuster. You know, it, it, it basically tops out in 2030, which is, what, 11 years or 11 and a half years from now, and then there's no inflation adjuster. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm curious, as you are wrapping up your career in Lansing, what you think about the way things are being done there and the inability of the party that's in the majority to be able to, to work with the party that's in the minority to get things done in a way that, that might satisfy more people. Uh, I, I wonder what your assessment is of how effective our legislature can be. Well, you know, I, you're talking about something that's a little bit on the old school side. What I mean by that is I, I truly believe in the concept of creating kind of a collaborative um, solution to problems, and, and that requires the majority and the minority party. Whoever is in the majority doesn't really matter, but there needs to be a participation of um, of everybody, if you will, to have long-standing good policy that can actually withstand the test of time. I truly believe in that. And um, even though there's a lot of junk happening and and lame duck right now, I think it's important also to note that. And this is what, what I found so really weird when I first came to Lansing was that is that you know there's this perception that the parties need to have, which is we're always at each other's throats. But for you know in 24 months. We're all working together 21 of those months. In two or three of those months, we have to create this perception that they are all at each other's throats, but that's really not, not the truth. And um, we can agree or disagree on policy, but when you, when you, uh, you know, look down from the gallery in, uh, in March or April, everybody's working together. So, um, but uh, that, that's one of my frustrations here is we're kind of um, I'm blowing that up a little bit right now. I, I also am curious about your your sense of the Republican Party as you as you leave public service in Lansing, the desperation with which they have been going through this lame duck session and really tearing up all kinds of things in anticipation of Democratic control coming to the governor's office and the secretary of state and the attorney general, the, the, the issues with this minimum wage and paid sick time. It's almost as if the party believes that its days in the majority might be soon coming to an end. I mean, the, 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 there's kind of a scorched earth uh, dynamic, uh, I think, that can be assigned to what's going on. And and I'm curious from your position inside the party, uh, whether you see it that way and, and whether you're concerned about the future of the GOP. Well, you know, the, um, the truth of the matter is I'm interested in good policy for this state. I don't really care who puts forward the idea, if it's a Democrat, an Independent, or a Republican. I might be a bit of an, an outlier within my party, but, you know, the, um, I believe strongly that, that we get elected to represent the people of Michigan and the people of our districts. And if the party is advancing something which is contrary to the will of the people, we have an obligation to not go along with it. That's not just my perception, so I might, might not necessarily be the... Uh, the, the best person to defend certain things. But I will tell you that, uh, that being said, you can have things that need to happen in lame duck just because, you know, pro, you know for example, we should be dealing with some of these PFAS um, um, problems, and that's something that clearly 
could be uh, brought up right now. There, so I'm just saying that there are things that could need to be, and there certainly are things that have been pending in the legislature that I would love to see adopted, and they aren't new things. But um, what, uh, what I would tell you is that it, it's quite possible there could be some bits and pieces here that are good ideas, but I can assure you that because it's all being rushed and it's not being properly vetted, that there are going to be tons of unintended consequences, and I truly believe that a lot of these things are going to backfire and actually do the do the opposite of what a lot of people think they're going to do. And that's, you know, we all know what the status quo is. We're very comfortable with how to operate in this status quo. And like um, a good congressman, Justin Amash, from southwest Michigan always says, look, I start out as a no because I know what the, I'm paraphrasing. I know what the status quo is. We need to actually prove that what is being proposed is good before you can get me to be a no. And that, that's kind of where I stand on these things as well. Yeah. Uh, do you worry, though, about the the Republican Party's approach to these things? I mean, it, th- this is, by most standards, uh, unprecedented, right? We've not seen a party behave this way ever in, in, in Lansing. Is there is there anything about it that strikes you as uh, worrisome, I guess, uh, as somebody who, who considers himself a Republican? Yes, well, I, I do think it's not the best way to do policy. I will say that. And there, there definitely seems to, you know, some of the things that um, are being proposed are clearly um, um, not good policy. I, I, don't, I don't really know what else to say. Like I said, I, I, uh, I, I view things through a very simple lens. Are they good policy or are they not good policy? And, and most of the things that are being proposed that um, there's a lot of angst over is clearly not good policy. Or if it is, it needs to be refined so it can be good policy. Uh, but to do it at the last minute is is not a good way to do things. And it's also not, you know, it's violating what I just mentioned a few minutes ago, which is it's violating the concept of being of constructively working together to solve solutions for the state of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Marty Howerlack, a Republican state representative from Troy. Uh, we're talking about the lame duck session in Lansing and the frenetic pace with which the GOP majority in the legislature is trying to get a lot of stuff done before the end of the year, things that in some cases would never have come up or never been approached this way before the election, uh, but they're eager to get these things done before new people come into power in January. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call, 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Tell us what you think about lame duck Tell us what you think about the Republicans' use of the lame duck session <clears throat> this year to get all of these things done as they uh, walk out the door. Uh, do you think that's a rational way to, to conduct the state's business? Or are you concerned that this is about naked partisanship uh, and overt political aim? Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to Suzanne in Ypsilanti. Suzanne, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Listen, I'm a very partisan Democrat from Ypsilanti, but I got to say the good people of Troy should be able to vote for this gentleman again (laughs) if they want to. And if he wants to run, this is a total argument against this term limit. (laughs) Suzanne, I I appreciate that uh, 
I appreciate that call and that that sentiment, Marty. I, I I'm curious what you think about term limits uh, as you are now term limited out of the legislature. Uh, is this is this part of the problem in Lansing? Uh, well, just just you know, because every time I try to answer this question, a lot of folks who disagree with me will accuse me of being self-serving. Look. I'll tell you this. I made a promise to my wife, and to be honest, that I was going to take a political sabbatical, and I'm quite frankly looking forward to the next chapter in my life. And this is a really good time to step out because the political environment right now is so awful. I think nationally, but um, I will tell you that in 1992 was my first election ever to vote. It was 18 then, and I voted no. And I looked at it, and I still look at it from this perspective. If I'm a voter and I want to vote to have somebody represent me, I shouldn't be prohibited from doing so because they've served, you know, X number of years, whether it's in Congress, which was a big issue at that time, or the state legislature. We even have term limits in the city of Troy. So that being said, I will tell you that what I truly believe has happened, because I've been a political watcher and I've loved our public policy in the state of Michigan since I was a kid, is that it's clearly strengthened the political parties, because the individual representative is much weaker and has to cling, if you will, to the the, the protection of their political party. So the parties have been strengthened, the individuals have been weakened, and you have a severe lack of historical knowledge. And um, it's, it's absolutely incredible, because as an example, the last time we were dealing with the minimum wage, which I think was three or four years ago, you know, I, was, I, w- I looked around for somebody, I said, well, what did we do the last time we were dealing with the minimum wage? Nobody knew. Right. The, the only person <laughs> around who knew, oddly enough, was a lobbyist who was younger than me. so i think i do think that it is uh problematic um on a number of different fronts but i don't you know i'm i'm you know more than happy obviously to to follow the will of the voters but i do think that folks need to understand there are a lot of unintended consequences with that Mm -hmm. okay marty howerlack republican state representative from troy thanks very much for joining us here on detroit today thank you Stephen. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about lame duck with a slightly different perspective. Phil Pavlo, a Republican state senator from St. Clair, also planning to exit the legislature in January, will join us to talk a little more about lame duck. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019 is the number. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you joined us. We are talking about the lame duck session in Lansing, the frenetic pace with which Republican majorities in the House and in the Senate are trying to get some things done that they probably wouldn't have tried to get done before the election. We have seen this before in Michigan. We've seen all kinds of things pop up in that small window of time between an election and the time when new people take over in Lansing. But lots of people who have been around in Lansing for a long time say there is something peculiar about this year. There's something extraordinary about the number of bills, the pace at which things are being done, and the substance of the legislation that's being proposed and passed. Uh, Joining us now to talk a little more about lame duck is Phil Pavlo. He's a Republican state senator from St. Clair, and he is 
like many others in Lansing, term limited, and will be leaving come January. Phil, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, Stephen, good to be with you. Yes, good to hear from you as well. So uh, I want to talk about lame duck, but I want to start with something that Republican-leading analyst Bill Ballinger said. Uh, He said this may be the most aggressive lame duck he's ever seen, primarily because of the sheer volume of bills that are considered controversial or agenda-setting from a single party. You've been in Lansing for a long time now. Uh, is is he right? Is Bill Ballinger right that there's something different about this lame duck session? Well, Bill Ballinger's uh, historic perspective is you know not matched by anybody in Michigan, and I certainly appreciate his context and things. And I think he's right, but I think you have to have that conversation in the month of December in 2018. And I say that because we've had um, a major change in the way um, Michigan is going to be governed going forward from just based on the election. And I'm not just talking about the statewide office holders that are shifting from Republicans to Democrat control, but also the number of proposals and constitutional amendments that have come through are, um, you know, they have an impact on Michigan. There's no question about it. What I look at in lame duck is, What is that impact, and how do we, quite frankly, minimize any negativity that could come from that? And that's kind of where my focus has been the last couple weeks. So uh, that's, I mean, I think that's a reasonable position to take, which is that there's changes coming, and the legislature might want to contemplate how those changes will affect the state. At the same time, those changes were affected by the people themselves, Uh, Prop 2, Prop 3, some of the things that that the legislature is looking at and trying to, some people would say, uh, thwart the effect of it. But let's, let's, uh, for the sake of argument, say this is a a question of how those things will be implemented. Why why should the legislature second-guess the people themselves? Well, I don't think that there's any second-guessing, particularly on the two constitutional amendments. Number one, you can't second-guess those. Those are um, bolted into our state constitution and will be there until um, until they are removed. But there's always implementation challenges. And, you know, I've got a bill running through on the second um, on proposal, too, that's just designed to put some additional safeguards in terms of how we choose um, the committee members and the operation of that committee that's going to draw up redistricting lines. You know, some people would attack that idea saying that we're trying to thwart the 61% of the people who voted proposal too, but it was not complete. And when you talk about proposals, you know, the voters have 100 words uh, to consider when they're voting yes or no. There is barely the tip of the iceberg in those 100 words that need some kind of clarification around it. So, you know, I was a, I'm a proud sponsor of a bill that is going to even go further than, uh, than the amendment in terms of having the balance and protections of who's chosen to serve on those very important committees. Hmm. Uh, do, do you feel as though some of the things that are being done, though, when you look at them substantively, are, I mean, can you acknowledge that there is, uh, I guess, a, a conflict between what the legislature is saying they want to do and what the people have said they want to do, either on things like minimum wage or paid sick time, or some of the things that are being done with regard to the implementation of Prop 2 and Prop 3? Well, with respect to the minimum wage and the paid leave time, 
those are citizen initiative measures, and they're very different than the constitutional amendments of Proposal 2 and 3. And I say that because it specifically designates the legislature as a with a responsibility and a role in those citizen initiative uh, factors. So you have to go kind of a little bit deeper into baseball to say, why did the organizers of those two citizen initiatives choose that route and not choose the constitutional route? Well, I would just suggest that the Constitution and changing that in Michigan is a much taller order. Um, It has a higher level of significance, in my opinion. So we do have recourse for our citizens to address the legislature, but in the method that they chose, it does include the legislature to stamp that, either approve it, such as we did, modify it, such as we have, um, but that avenue and those options aren't available through a constitutional amendment. So they're two kind of different things, but you know, I, I don't disagree with the premise that you know there's big change coming, and it's coming really fast. We'll be able to react to it. Uh, Michigan will continue to go forward, um, but our political environment is charged right now. Yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. It's 313-577-1019. Uh, let's go to Robert in Detroit. What's I, on your mind, um, Robert? I just want to say that this is beyond um, ironic. It's hypocritical. When President Obama had almost a year left in his term, he wasn't able to um, nominate any Supreme Court or any other justices, federal justice um, judges, um, because it was too close to the election. Mm-hmm. Now we're after the election, and we have a legislature that's Republican that is saying that they want to undo what the people voted for. I, that's outrageous. Yeah. Um, uh, Robert, I really appreciate that perspective. Uh, uh, Phil Pavlo, we, we have seen Republicans argue in the past that, uh, look, don't, don't do things when voters are about to speak, when they're about to have their say, don't do things to undermine uh, that democratic imperative. Why isn't why isn't this uh, an example of of that kind of undermining? Well, I don't. Where I don't agree with you on that, Stephen, is the fact that we're changing what the voters decided at the ballot box. You know, I was in town last night and. Marijuana smoke everywhere. I mean, this is a new reality. It's here. Communities will have to be dealing with that. The legislature didn't do anything there. Uh, when we talk about the things that we are acting on, part of it, in my opinion, is taking a look at the economy that we've built, the strength of this economy, and saying, going forward, what is the best option for Michigan people to be able to continue the economic growth that we have. And I think that that's where you're seeing a lot of those ideas coming about. Hmm. But on the Constitution, we're not changing that. There's there's really nothing that we can do except, you know, start a whole new proposal to remove it from the Constitution. And I don't see that happening anytime soon. Uh, again, uh, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to Tom in northwest Detroit. <laughs> Tom, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. You know, when I voted in November, in November in the general election, uh, there was no ballot proposal on there that said, do you want to or not want to allow the Republicans, the GOP, to undermine the powers of the Secretary of State, Governor, and um, Attorney General? 
Hmm. You know what? I want to hear some justification for them doing this, because the way I look at it is this. First of all, I think it's sexist. Michigan was the only state in the country for, for you know, that was three women, that women won those, you know, attorney general, governor, mm-hmm. and the secretary of state. It's the only state. And also, I mean, I just think that it's Republicans chewing on sour grapes because they are sore losers. Mm-hmm. And Brian Dickerson, he nailed it in his article yesterday. Uh, Tom, I appreciate the call and and the comments. Uh, uh, Phil, uh, talk about why it's necessary now, from your perspective, to change the powers, for instance, of the Secretary of State. Now that it's going to be Jocelyn Benson, who's a Democrat, uh, uh, what's the what's the what's the justification for that? Well, I think look in in government we revisit things all the time and you know the constitutional authority of the secretary of state is to protect the state seal and all powers given to the secretary of state came from the legislature and so in 1963 um, the roles and responsibilities of all of those functions have been given to the secretary of state's office through the legislature so the legislature plays a very important role in the definition of some of those constitutional offices. And if there's a better way of dealing with it, you know, many times we pivot to commissions because of the direct partisan implications that that would have. Um, You know, commissions are designed to kind of strip some politics out of it to make sure that the product that's being presented to the people of the state of Michigan is actually fair and balanced. But but you, you didn't have any problem... Uh, with the current Secretary of State exercising that power without that kind of oversight. So if it's a good idea to revisit it, why revisit it now? I think our politics has changed, Stephen, clearly. I mean, listening to the Sunday talk shows yesterday, um, you know, you have a new uh, leadership team coming into the U.S. House of Representatives that they're first and um, number one initiative is going to go down the road of impeachment. With different changes come different philosophies, and that is the will of the people. And, and quite frankly, we understand that it changes. I served in the majority when I was first elected, and then four years in the minority, and then the last eight were in the majority. And the pendulum does swing, but it just seems like we're much more polarized in this time in 2018 uh, than we probably have in a while. And and I think that what you're seeing is kind of um, the outgrowth of that political division. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number. Let's go to Jill in Rochester Hills. Jill, welcome to the program. Hi. Uh, I think your, your guest is blaming the victim. Uh, the Republicans have been in power for eight years. There have been plenty of things that they have ignored doing, like helping Flint, like fixing our roads. Mm-hmm. And yet they are focusing on voter initiatives. This was the voice of the people. They have done nothing in eight years, and now they're trying to destroy the voice of the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jill, I appreciate the call in the comments. Uh, Phil, again, this question of, of how how you justify going back after voters have spoken or after you've stopped voters from speaking in the case of the minimum wage and paid sick time bills and and then do do something that voters probably don't want and and in some cases have made clear 
that they don't want. I mean, and again, doing that in a lame duck session when so many of your colleagues will be walking out the door in January won't have to answer to voters for what they do. Well, let me start with the last part first, and that is uh, this idea that somehow because of lame duck and because of um, people's future plans that don't include the legislature, that somehow their convictions and their priorities and principles change in lame duck. It's just it's just not true, particularly in the Senate where I serve. You know, I had a bill go up on Thursday um, that I didn't see any problem with it whatsoever. And we had to pull that bill off because for some reason, either I didn't communicate that effectively with my colleagues. They're still watching. They're still paying attention. And they're still governing with the same principle that they came into in 2000. And 10 in, in respect to the Michigan Senate. So, you know, to, to categorize the legislature as completely changing just to be uh, vindictive and to, to squash public opinion and, and public support for issues on the way out is not accurate. Well, but um, I mean, these are not issues you guys dealt with before. They, these are issues with, that, that, that came up only in lame dock. Well, no, we dealt with minimum wage um, several years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, we dealt with it again uh, last week. And, you know, whether or not the governor signs these bills is up to the governor. Um, but the legislature has a very strong position in our Constitution as an equal branch of government. And in terms of the will of the people, the will of the people um, elected and placed the legislature there to do the job. Now, have things changed as the dynamic shifted in the last four years? Absolutely it has, but our term and responsibility constitutionally runs till the end of this year. It isn't new. It just seems to be, I think it's a, it's hypersensitive right now. I think that the fact that, you know, going back to what Bill Ballinger said, maybe there is a lot of volume. Volume doesn't always mean accomplishment. A lot of that stuff will be sorted out through the process, and, you know, in two weeks we'll be on to Okay, Phil Pavlo, Republican State Senator from St. Clair. Always great to talk with you here on Detroit Today. Thanks, David. It's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. Hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.